0: community voice podcast episode number 38 entertaining educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference this is gsbn.tv join the community welcome back to another episode of the community voice and today i am talking to my great friend danielle weeb she and i got to know each other over the course of about two and a half years And the next level mastermind, and that started way back in, I think, the summer of 2018. And of course, she was in the next level mastermind during the most challenging year one can be in business, and that was during COVID 19. And not only that, she had a live events business where a majority of her income, when she started working with me, a majority actually all of her income, was related to live events, in-person events. Thankfully, she had a desire to do a little bit of coaching and potentially even her own paid mastermind groups. She was not completely sold on the idea fully, but she wanted to explore that. And that's one of the reasons why she joined the Next Level Mastermind. Well, thankfully, she not only dipped her toes in the water, but she actually got to the place that before COVID actually became a thing, if I'm not mistaken, I think that 50% of her income was no longer coming in from live events, but from her coaching and mastermind groups, which allowed her to navigate that season of COVID-19 throughout 2020 and beyond in a powerful way. Now, of course, nobody could have foreseen that thing coming, but it's just... It's just how things seem to work out. And so I have been absolutely blown away by Danielle and her growth. Uh, I'm not going to go into in depth about her business. There'll be links in the show notes. I'll mention uh, those links again so that you'll be reminded at the end. You can just click on some links to Danielle's uh, business and her about page and some other stuff. Just check out the show notes for this episode. Click on those links to see Danielle. But this is more of a conversation, just two friends who have done some life together. And I wanted to share that conversation with you right here, right now. Danielle, I am so excited. By the way, congratulations on bringing another human onto this planet. Thank
1: you very much. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Tell me about your little one.
1: So she, her name is Rosemary. We call her Rosie for short. And she is so much fun so far. She's just over two and a half months. and so she's starting to smile. Uh, my husband this morning, he swears that he heard her laugh. I'm not sure if I believe it yet, but uh, we're starting to hear those kind of coos. and she seems like she's trying to engage with us. So super, super fun. Um, you know, she keeps us up at night, but she's such a blessing and we're so we're so grateful. and she brings so much joy into our lives too so yeah it's been such a cool uh journey of motherhood has not been easy i don't want to make it sound like it's just all you know roses and butterflies but um but yeah just so grateful for her
0: that is so awesome i've been watching your instagram stories i keep up i i i kind of keep tabs on you see how things are going for you and just stuff like that and it's just i'm so excited Mostly because I saw how you were, you had nieces or nephews or both?
1: Yes, both, both. We have, um, right. We have 11 nieces and nephews, so it's kind of crazy. Like we were able to kind of have that, Experience of being around kids and taking care of kids and babysitting and just enjoying them, which we obviously enjoyed for for uh, yeah seven years. Our our oldest two nephews, they're both seven on each side, and so yeah. But obviously, having having baby of your own is completely different because you're with them twenty four (laughs) seven. So, but it was kind of cool because we got just the experience of being able to. Yeah, pouring it pour into their lives and then bringing us joy and then yeah so now being parents ourselves we've just been able to learn a lot but we were somewhat uh, yeah somewhat prepared for what that was going to look like just from talking to our siblings too
0: yeah well that is yeah. awesome i'm so excited for you there are so many other things i want to know about what's going on in your <laughs> world but i obviously know that this has been the most important thing that's been going yes. on for you since we've last spoken
1: yeah yeah no it's it's definitely totally changed everything um yeah, in a really good way, so I'm
0: excited awesome. about it okay, so you are in Canada yes, tell me what was your childhood like? as a Canadian is it any I just trying to imagine because how do you compare it to what a childhood like is in the United States but I just I just want to know what was your childhood like being you know just being in a different (laughs) country from my own
1: hmm Uh, that's a great question. I think, I mean, we live in Vancouver, which, uh, I mean, I actually grew up in a town of Surrey, which is about an hour away from Vancouver. So it's not right in kind of, cause Vancouver is very, you know, uh, there's lots going on. It's very busy. Uh, it's kind of city life. Right. And so, even anyone you know who's maybe from Toronto or New York it, it's like that on a smaller scale cuz Vancouver is is a lot smaller but um yeah i would say my childhood was full of i had a really great childhood full of great memories uh my parents we were really, you know, they really valued um, us being close to our extended family. So, you know, we had a lot of cousins and so we would, you know, go over and play with our cousins all the time. I felt like sometimes my cousins um, were like my siblings because we would have sleepovers and we would, you know, do all these things with them. And so it almost felt like they were kind of a part of our family. So that was super fun growing up with a lot of cousins our age and, uh, yeah, played a lot of sports. I actually grew up something people don't know about me, um, is that I grew up, uh, water skiing and that was like a huge passion of my dad's. He was a professional water skier. And so ever since we were little, he would, you know, Uh, encourage us, (laughs) strongly encourage us to get on the water. And I'm really grateful for that because I think it taught us to not be scared of things. I know a lot of people, you know, grow up and when they're little, little, they're scared of the water or scared of, you know, a lot of things. And so I think that really helped us I don't know, just being brave, I think, in a way, um, getting out there. And so I started water skiing when I was eight years old. Uh, we were competitive. We would travel all over the place to go to water ski championships and tournaments. And, uh, we actually would go, go to the States, uh, in this, in the winters and our winters, because of course our winters are cold. So you can't really be water skiing, you know, in, in the dead of winter, but we would go to Florida and other places to go to water ski camps and things like that. So yeah, I have just a lot of really great memories of, of my childhood.
0: So in Surrey, what, what kind of atmosphere is that? Are you in a lot of just out in the country? What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, Surrey is also kind of, a, it's actually one of the largest kind of cities in, in our area. So there's a lots of different kind of areas. Ours was like, we lived really close to our school. We were able to walk to school. Um, we had kind of like cul-de-sac neighborhood type experience. And so, you know, I remember walking to school with my friends, you know, I'd pick like I'd walk to their house, knock on their door, they'd come and we'd walk to school together. So it's sort of like that, more that experience. And of course we have lots of parks, like beautiful parks and everything. Anyone that's been to BC knows, you know, we have a lot of, because we get a lot of rain, we have beautiful, like green, you know, parks and trees and there's the mountains and everything like that. So with the rain, which of course for some is, is a downside comes that beautiful, um, lush, nature. Yeah, greenery. exactly. Exactly. So in a way, I mean, sometimes it gets really hard in the fall and in the winter, it, it seems like the winter lasts forever because it's kind of dark and gloomy, but then the summer comes and you just forget about the winter because it's so incredibly gorgeous and everything is, is lush. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, even though I love traveling and I love there's lots of other places that I love, um, I think BC will always be my home.
0: BC so is many, British Columbia?
1: Yeah, British okay. Columbia. So there's lots of different places in in British Columbia that are that are just gorgeous and that we've been able to experience, especially during COVID, because we haven't really been able to go anywhere else. <laughs> so, you know, you explore a little bit more in your backyard, which is fun.
0: Sounds to me, I, I have not been in the area where you're referring to. The only time I've ever been to Canada, I well, I crossed into Canada on the other side of Niagara Falls, if that counts. Uh, yeah, but, but t- then it totally counts. <laughs> okay. But I have gone to que- Quebec City in Canada. So, Quebec
1: City is beautiful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I actually went there when I was younger uh, on a school trip and. It kind of reminds me of Europe a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of has that sort of feel. So I would love to go back someday.
0: But it sounds to me like you have mountains and you have lakes and it's just like this. But, but also you have the the city life or the, at least the suburban life is is kind of a little bit more of what you were describing with cul-de-sacs yeah. and stuff like that. But the city is there as well. It sounds to me like mm-hmm. you have it all. Except for the fact that my my preconceived idea of canada is that it's freaking cold almost <laughs> every single month out of the year except for summer
1: basically well although i will say that uh In British Columbia, in certain places, it really depends on where you are. Uh, We have quite mild winters in comparison to other places in Canada. So I would say, you know, if you're going to go into Alberta, for example, or even Ontario, they get a lot colder than we do on the west coast. So even though yes, we do have cold winters, it's it's not as cold as you know if you were to think of your typical, you know. Canadian winter and people just think like, you know, everyone's in igloos and, you know, (laughs) all of that. It's not exactly that way. We don't actually get a ton of snow where we are unless you're up in the mountains. So uh, my sister actually lives in Sun Peaks, which is a kind of like a ski resort town. So their winters get super cold, Um, but their summers are also really beautiful and warm. So you kind of get Uh, both both worlds you get the hot really hot in the summer and then you get the really cold in the winter whereas where we live in vancouver because my husband and i now we live kind of really close to downtown our our winters are quite mild and then our summers are not as hot either
0: so are you a snow skier as well
1: yes yes i grew up skiing actually i snow skied before I water skied so uh, I was four when I first uh, started snow skiing my mom I think the daycare on the mountain was closed that day or something like that so my mom's like okay you're skiing and so she just like put me between her legs and we just skied down the mountain So there you go.
0: I have witnessed (laughs) snow skiing. I've gone cross country, which that's the most I've ever ventured out into. That's
1: actually hard. Is it? Cross country ski well, it's it's A workout, I should say. No, it's
0: a, it's, it's, but it, but it, you're not going down a hill like a. No, no, no. So what I loved about that is just like, okay, I can stand up on these things and I can maneuver my feet around. You know, I could do this. My my concern is like, I have no idea what I'm going to do if all of a sudden I'm doing like 40 kilometers per hour down the. (laughs) And and I noticed by the the way, I I just, I just, I just filtered myself as i was talking to you because i would have i was about ready to say 30 miles per hour but i, I figured that i'd say <laughs> kilometers just for you
1: you can say miles i actually it's funny in the water ski community everyone use mile uses miles for how fast the boat is going yeah so i actually kind of grew up um because you know people go to the us to compete and everything so they just use miles so i grew up with both um but anyways uh, you learn how to slow yourself down, so it's not as scary. But I encourage you to to try because it it's it's a it's a thrill for sure. Like it's definitely a thrill. Um, but when when you kind of get better at it, it's it's not as scary because you just know. And also, you know, you don't have to start going on the double black diamond runs. Yeah, you can start on the green and then the
0: blue. And but all see, that, that's so. that's the thing. I would want to do. The double black and I and, yeah. and the impatience. So, so are you able to ski down a double black?
1: Um, I can. Yeah. Well, my my mom, she's a, an avid snow skier, so she would bring me down, and she'd be like, "Oh, yeah, this one's like, you know, it's it's a little bit harder than the last one." And then we'd get to it, and it'd be like a cliff. <laughs> be like, ah, okay. So she she she's funny because she's actually my mom's scared of heights. But then when she, for some reason, when she gets on snow skis, she's a completely different person. Like, she'll just...
0: She's not really... It's height's relative, though. See, see the the thing is, you're going to fall, but you're never going to fall more than, what, seven feet into a pile of snow.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. But it's just funny, like, seeing the fact that my mom, you know, she can't... We went to... um, Was she afraid of
0: the chairlift that actually takes you up? See, I could. She is actually. I could see her probably having a trouble with the chairlift.
1: Yes. But not necessarily looking
0: down a cliff where she's actually kind of attached (laughs) to the ground. I don't care what the grade is. I just don't want to be above the grade.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And like we went to um, uh, the Grand Canyon, and she stayed in the car. Like she didn't even. (laughs) Like and she, Cause she couldn't watch us go to the edge. Like she, it was like this weird thing where she couldn't even watch us look at the view. So yeah, it's kind of funny, but um, yeah, yeah. Snow skiing, snowboarding. That was definitely a part of my childhood. I haven't been in a while because I didn't go while I was pregnant. So I'm excited to go this year again. Cause both my mom. Um,
0: well, you've uh, been out on the boat this year.
1: Been. What do you mean?
0: I, I saw you no. did Instagram stories. <gasps> yes, come on, okay, Danielle.
1: You're right. You're right. You've been um, out yes, on that but boat. I did not. <laughs> you didn't. Ski. I did not ski. Uh, but, but you were instructing. I was instructing. Yes. Um, I'm a good, you know, coach from the boat now. But. Um, yeah, so we went to a lake with Brent's family and then Brent went skiing and uh, yeah, I was coaching from the boat. <laughs> so that was fun. But uh, I haven't been on skis, whether it be s- snow skiing or water skiing in, yeah a year. So it feels oh, it's, weird. It's been a year. Oh it's my been goodness. a year. For me, it's weird because That's every awesome. summer we would go to, you know, we, we actually have property right across in the States. Um, my dad does. And so we would go water skiing in the summer and then we'd go snow skiing in the winter. Um, and my dad actually just recently went back across the line and was able to check out his Oh, hello. <laughs>
0: this is my this little friend. Is, this is my little friend. This is my little puppy, Leo. Hi, and, Leo. And he wanted to come and say hi.
1: I love it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, he was just able to get back across to, um, to check out the property. And apparently there was like basically trees growing up into the gravel and it was just a complete disaster because he wasn't able to maintain it for for the entire year. So now he's, uh, he's getting back to work so that we can go next year. So anyways, yeah.
0: That's awesome. So, okay. That answers a lot, a lot of that question. All right. When you were in school, what did you think that you were going to be when you grew up?
1: Uh, So I actually took an entrepreneurship class when I was in high school. So I wanted to do something to do with business, but I actually, my original thought was that I wanted to own my own spa. Uh, I don't know if you've ever like experienced or been to a spa or maybe even heard of it. But um, we have a spa in in uh, Whistler, which is which is close to about two hours away or whatever. And it's called Scandinav Spa. And it's basically this like oasis and it has all these like hot pools and steam rooms and all these things. And you just kind of go from one uh, like hot pool and then a cold pool and then you go into this steam room or whatever anyways, I wanted to own something like that. That was my original idea of what I wanted to do for my business. Uh, and then, yeah, when I kind of, I actually graduated and started working for spas kind of in my area. And then I realized like, Hmm, maybe I don't want to do this. Like, I feel, I feel like it's, a lot of work. I more just want to go to those places. I don't necessarily <laughs> want to like own it and run it. Uh so anyways, but I I there was a lot of different things that I wanted to do like when I was going to school and when I was um kind of in that space. Uh but uh yeah and then eventually I it led me to what I do now. Um which of course has changed a lot in the past couple of years since COVID. <laughs> so yeah so, i don't know if you can hear that but rosie is awake i do she, she hears you and here
0: having a conversation and she wants to be with you
1: he's like she's like i need my mom but i think she's okay
0: gotcha. <laughs> so okay so do you what was your what did your dad do for a living
1: uh my dad actually um he my opa my dad's dad, when he came to Canada from Holland, uh, I think he was 20 years old, he started a business. And so they now run a company and they do um, uh, wholesale for plants. So uh, rose bushes and all different types of plants and everything like that. So they do, they do wholesale for that. And so my dad um, took over um, with his cousin and then they both um, run that now he's kind of like in half retirement. Um, (laughs) and so, yeah, so that's what he did when I was young. And then my mom also, um, was in business. She was started out in sales and then she actually started her own business. Um, I think while I was still in university and then I ended up working for her for a little while too.
0: So you grew up in an entrepreneurial focused family.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How about you? I'm curious. For did you grow grow? Because I know insurance. Your that family is a fun question. Businesses?
0: So for me, the fun part is is that I did grow up with an entrepreneurial kind of experience, but I would have never known it. Mm-hmm. So this is got it. Because I I what I would say is I grew up all the way up until my adult years as a full on life with the mindset of an employee, that everybody, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the way to go is being an employee. And I never really thought about the fact that my dad owned his own business mm-hmm. and he actually owned a different business before that. So here's the story. My grandfather started a business in 1937, yeah. which was an insurance agency. Yeah. And so when my mom met my dad, and this is my, who was my stepdad, and then he's he actually you may or not, you probably don't know this, but I was adopted by him after my biological dad I, passed I away. I think
1: I did. I think I did know that. Yeah. Okay.
0: So anyway, but my dad uh, worked for my grandfather in the insurance agency, mm-hmm. and and did that for many years while you know, in, for I don't know how long, but he for a long time. But then he decided to leave. The insurance business, the family business. Yeah. And I remember probably my, I was maybe nine, 10 years old. And for the next few years, my dad owned a grocery store and a laundromat that was one building. Mm -hmm. So it was a grocery store on one side and a laundromat Mm -hmm. on the other. And so I still, for some reason, I never thought I, I just the uh, my dad owns his own business that yeah. that just doesn't I don't know why that never occurred to me, yeah. but my dad owned his own business. It was a it yeah. was a grocery store and laundromat. However, this was fun. So I got to uh, he, one of the things that he did is he put in arcade games. This is in the eighties. All right, so That's awesome! All the most amazing arcade games: Centipede, Space Invaders, Joust. Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Galaga, uh, all of these video games. These were in my dad's stores.
1: That's awesome. And
0: so, and of course, I would help stock shelves and Mm -hmm. and do all of this other stuff. But yeah, so my dad was, he owned that. And of course, uh, it was in a very bad part of town. And and my dad was the only person I knew that actually owned a gun and basically had it behind the counter at all times and had to use it a couple times. Wow. Uh, Not like shoot it, but you know, yeah. as a, it's he's like, get out of my store, um, to, to somebody who came in with their gun. That's a, oh. <laughs> that was a different experience. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> some of, some of my favorite, favorite things from that experience was my dad would create these flyers for different sales that are going on at the store. And he would pay me and my cousin to go deliver these flyers, that's to awesome. all the surrounding neighborhoods, and so that's something that I remember as a result of my dad owning that business. And then eventually, he got tired of owning that or being robbed or whatever the case <laughs> would be, and he's <laughs> like, "I think I'm going to go back to the insurance world." And next thing I know, he's working back with my grandfather, and it's it to me, it just seems overnight. He then is my dad. My grandfather's retiring. My dad takes over the business, and 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 that and that's that. Then, um, of course, all of this is happening when I when I'm 16, I get a job at McDonald's, you know, and then, of course, I'm working uh, all these different jobs, such as I worked uh, the I worked as a manager of a beeper store. Do you know what a beeper is? No. So you probably may understand it better if I tell you a pager. Do you know what a pager is? Yes. Yes. All right. So we called them beepers. Yeah. So this is ba- before everybody had cell phones. Uh, it, what we would do is we would go to a pay phone and put money in and we would dial somebody's pager number and say, "Hey, here's the phone number for this phone booth I'm at." And you'd type that in and it would page them the number and then yeah. you'd just wait for that cell or that pay phone to ring and and you could that's how we would communicate with one another. Anyway, so I sold that's awesome. I sold beepers. <laughs> and, and, a, and, of course, I also sold cell phones to those who were really had lots of money. Uh, so I was the manager of that. Then the guy next door owned a sign shop. And he says, hey, do you want to come over here and work instead of here? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> and so then I learned how to make signs, all sorts of signs, v- vinyl banners, signs on shops, uh, uh, lettering for the signs of commercial vehicles, and every That's kind amazing. of sign you can imagine. So I did that and I I just went from and another job that I had is I used to install hardwood floors. Nice. So literally uh, it would be in the dead of winter and it was all new construction. So there's no air or there's no heating in this place. And I'm sitting there nailing in all of these hardwood floors and then we would have to sand it down and then uh, stain it. And of course in the summertime there's no air conditioning in these things. And so get imagine you're it's 98 degrees Fahrenheit. It's about a Yikes. 98% humidity and you're sweating like cra- I'm sweating like crazy and we'd be sanding this thing and we're down to the last part of hand sanding it. You yeah. get you get one drop of sweat and drop it onto that floor no you start the whole thing over again
1: oh my goodness that was Uh. the
0: that was the most grueling heavy labor i ever did in my life was installing hardwood floors and then some other things that i did what oh eventually i ended up at uh, staples call center so the office supply store and i would take people's orders and then i got into customer service and Things like that. So I've had a ton of jobs. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm an employee. I live this life of an employee. Yeah. But here my mom and dad have owned a grocery store and a laundromat. Now mm-hmm. they own an insurance agency. Yeah. And, and I'm just oblivious to this whole idea of owning a business. <laughs> so then my mom and dad said, I got married to Stephanie and I'm working at Staples, you know, call yeah. center, yeah. To, you know, doing customer service. And... They're like, hey, do you want to come work for the the insurance office? And I said, no, I, I really don't. <laughs> and they, I said, thanks, but no thanks. They said, no, we want we want to hire you to do computers. See, this is in 1996. Yeah. So Windows 95 had come out, and they said, hey, as far as we know, they're, you're able to network computers together. We purchased this software to run our entire agency on, and so. Uh, they said, will you come and hook this up for us? We'll hire you to do that. And I said, well, I'll come work for you on two conditions. Number one, if I'm ever offered an opportunity to do a pastor a church full time, I'm you have to give me your blessing to do that. And Number two, don't expect me to ever go get my insurance license because I have no interest in this family business. <laughs> and they, they agreed to that. Next thing you know, I I go and I hook up their computers. It took me no more than like 90 days to have every... I mean, like I'm literally sitting there twiddling my thumbs. I'm the highest paid file clerk you can possibly imagine (laughs) on the planet. And I'm bored to tears. So I'm doing all these quotes for my dad. Uh, People are calling in to get quotes on insurance. I'm typing all the stuff into the computer and printing it out. And he gives them the prices he says, you know, if you, he says, you're doing like 95% of all the work. All I do is take the information, give it to you. Then you give it to me. I make a phone call. They come in and sign a piece of paper. And then I make all the money. If, right. you, if you, I know that, you know, you're, you're married. You want to take care of things financially and stuff like that. Legally, I can't give you a commission on any of these policies. Yeah. But if you had your license, you could, you, you could get a commission. So I went and studied, uh, took a class, and got my license to sell property and casualty, which is auto, home, and business insurance. And lo and behold, now I'm making lots more money, and I'm not just twiddling my thumbs. And then um, a couple years later, my dad was an incredible salesperson, and he won all of these contests, all expenses, trips around the world, every year. And he's like, I'm so busy. I can't go on these trips. I wish you, I could give these to you and Stephanie. But unfortunately, only licensed life insurance agents can go on these trips. He yeah. goes, but if you went and got your license, you wouldn't have to sell any life insurance, but you could go on the trip. So I went and studied my to get my life insurance license, and I, I got my life insurance license. And then all of a sudden, now Stephanie and I are going like we're going to Barbados, all of the British West <laughs> Indies. We're we're going matter of fact um my trip to Quebec City, Canada that was oh, nice. that was actually an all expenses paid trip. So That's just awesome. all over the world. And then uh I start selling life insurance because I became a huge fan of Dave Ramsey's you know, mm-hmm. buy term, invest the difference. I started teaching people how to become debt free and all of this stuff. And next thing you know, it's 10 years later and I'm one of the number one producing life insurance agents in the United States for two different companies in the same year.
1: That's awesome.
0: So that's my history. But here, but you know that I started podcasting as a hobby, and all yeah. of a sudden it's like man i'm having more ministry opportunity through the podcasting than this and then i go and start that and then the interesting thing is is that man i i wonder if i could make a living doing this and of course the thought of starting my own business whatever and so i of course i do it become self employed in january 2008 but if you would have asked me cliff do you know any entrepreneurs? Are you an entrepreneur or do you know any entrepreneurs? If you would have asked me any time in the early part of 2008, I don't know that I would have actually considered myself an entrepreneur. Right. And I don't even know that I, if, 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 if I went into an audience and and they said, hey, How many people here are Christian? And you know, people raise. How many people here are from the north or the? You know, how many people here own your own business? I don't think if they asked how many people own your own business, I would have raised my hand because I still wasn't thinking like a business owner. I don't know what it was. So I it it took me. It was at least at least nine months into my self employed business ownership journey that I realized I actually owned a business. <laughs> even though I went and set up a federal ID number and LLC right. and and all this stuff, I still didn't have the mindset. I, just, I never thought of myself as a business owner. I just have a job that I enjoy.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. I think a lot of people, even like in my community, um, people kind of almost disqualify themselves as as entrepreneurs, like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. I just I just have a blog. It's like, well, like, you know, tell me more about it. And then, you know, sure enough, they have a blog, they have, you know, they're, they have affiliate links that they're promoting. It's like, well, you're, you're a business owner. Like you have a business you're
0: bringing in three to $5,000 yeah. a month. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting that people just, I don't know, they, they think they either have to have like a specific product that they're selling. That's like new and you know, whatever, or they have to have, you know, traditional type of business to be called a business owner. But yeah, I think a lot of people are, are business owners nowadays, even if it's, you know, very part-time or they're doing it on the side or they're, uh, I would consider even someone who has their own podcast or anything, um, like entrepreneurial, right. Cause it's like, you're doing something, it's like a project that you're doing on your own time and your own, you know, and, and that whether it's monetized now or not, it could be. So I don't know. I think that.
0: So the, I think. Yeah. So that disassociation with the identity of business owner slash entrepreneur for me, I can point back because I have actually asked myself and evaluated where did where did my hesitation to take ownership of the role that I actually had. Some of it, one of my least favorite books on this planet is Rich Dad Poor Dad. <laughs> I've never read it. Okay. So I, don't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> and so so and and it's all about it's like listen, you don't own a business, you own a job. Mm. If you so so you are not a business owner if your business requires that you work in it for it to continue to generate income for you, you're just self-employed. Right. And right. so there's that it's like man, it's like I, I just felt like saying, screw you. you know? <laughs> who do you think you are? And then, of course, oh, you are not an entrepreneur unless you own multiple businesses. You start a business, create an exit plan, and then sell it. Or that you've got multiple bu- businesses that are passively generating revenue for you without you ever having to work. Basically, right. an entrepreneur is somebody who owns multiple businesses, multiple streams of income, where it requires none of their – it's like –
1: Says who? Yeah.
0: So know. those it's, are some of the influences that were speaking into that mindset yeah. for me.
1: I think it's interesting too because I think a lot of people take that concept and they almost use it to like, um, I don't know. Even if they they use it to sort of shame other people that aren't that aren't doing that or whatever. But if you really look at like a lot of um, passive income opportunities that you can have, most of them, they're somewhat passive, but there's still things that you have to do to keep to keep it going. Like it's not like completely like set it and forget it. Um, you know, there's very few things where you just like do it once and then you get paid over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, if you're, if you're running like, for example, an online course, there's somewhat of, you know, supporting those students or, you know, updating whatever the, the, uh, program that you have it on, updating the information that's in there as, you know, things change. And so I don't know, it's, it's an interesting concept because I think that word is thrown around in the entrepreneurial space and it's a little bit dangerous because I think people think, oh, you know, um, to be a success, I have to have this business that I'm just getting paid to do nothing and sit on the beach and like,
0: you know well, what I mean? I, mean, I don't the, know. There it's is just some- kind of, I think there's something to be said. I think it is possible to so for for example, what you're just talking about. You know, I I have a business where I have online courses, and Mm -hmm. I have affiliate income, and that affiliate income is coming because of the content I produce.s And and it's it. I think it is possible to get to the place where you start to bring people into onto a team and you start delegating the content creation out to them. You start- oh, dele- for sure. You yes. can delegate the course updates to them and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well then, well then your job becomes to manage the delegation to those people, but then you could actually do the whole Michael E. Gerber. E-Myth Model, another book that kind of right. gave me a little bad taste of this. Not necessarily, there, there's some great Concepts that are mm-hmm. very beneficial for somebody who wants to take their business and entrepreneurial journey to whole new levels. Mm-hmm. Both Rich Dad Poor Dad and E Myth by Michael E. Mm-hmm. Th- those books have a lot of powerful principles, and I believe in them. But I just have never the bad taste in my mouth is saying if you don't have these models, then you are not a business owner. If you don't fit totally. this, you're not this. Because I do think it's possible. I I, I could create the Michael e. Get or Michael E. Gerber says. You create a job description for everything in your business. Originally, if you're starting the business solo, you fill every job description. Yeah. You're yeah. you play all of the parts. But the yeah. idea is to replace yourself in all of those parts. And then eventually you could actually have a CEO of your company, a CFO, mm-hmm. a CMO, uh, and, right. and all and then all of the org chart all the way down. And then that business runs itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, but, however,
1: however, however. <laughs> <laughs> however, um, and I totally agree with that, a hundred percent. The only thing is, what if one person on that team quits or wants to do something else? You have to be in charge of either filling that role in the meantime and then finding someone else, or quickly finding someone else to fill that role then you might have to train them and whatever right that, so, exactly
0: you're just, cha- it, you're just you're just you're yeah. just going up the thing and you're for me you're carrying the responsibility of a whole lot more people's livelihoods at at, at least yeah. for that given period of time i it, it and the thing is that may that's the lifestyle some people desire it's like hey you yeah. know what i'd rather be on the beach um, you know, forty weeks out of the year, traveling the world, doing all this stuff, and occasionally getting a phone call with an emergency where I have to cancel what I was going to do for the next three days, and from my, you know, lush palace in in <laughs> in this beautiful location in the world, I am going to figure out this thing and work with my team to do this and that and that and that. But you know right. what? That's that's the life I leave. and I make millions and millions of dollars a year. Uh, and yeah, sure, I I. The problems I face are massive problems, but I, I've learned to handle those and its I don't mm-hmm. sweat the small stuff and I've come to believe that everything's a small stuff. And so you get a Tony Robbins, for example. He owns like a right. 100 different businesses or something like that, has thousands right. of employees that are employed by the hundreds of whatever, however many businesses he is. But you get the idea. That lifestyle yeah. does exist. Yep. And the question is, is, is that what you want? Is that what you desire? Mm-hmm. And if that's what you want and what you desire, Awesome. Mm-hmm. But what if I desire for the foreseeable future to create a business where I generate all of my income, I'm the sole person in the business, I generate so much revenue in my business, I ha- I require no team, no management of any staff, mm-hmm. I, I massively invest in different areas for retirement and emergency purposes and stuff like that. And so that, w- what if I actually do work in my business for as long as I live. Right. What's
1: wrong with that? Yeah. You, you know what? You actually inspired me in a way of like, because I think mm-hmm. what we're kind of talking about is the, everyone sort of sees a version of success out there. And they think that's what they need to work towards because that is what success looks like. Right. And I think that you inspired me to, to think, well, what do I actually want to do? Because I could go for that, you know, build a massive team, have all these things and, you know, whatever. Or if I want to, I can build a business where, yes, like you said, you you're the main person in that business, but you don't have that, that overhead, that stress, that, you know. All those things that yes, could bring you in lots of money, but also at the end of the day, there's a portion of that, that requires your attention that, um, even is, is, is always in your head, right? It's like this team that I'm taking care of that I need to make sure it's all. And then if something goes wrong, I'll need to like fulfill that. And, you know, all these things, um, whereas potentially, you know, someone like yourself who doesn't require a team. If something goes wrong in your business, it's just you and you know that you can make up whatever that income you can, you know, pivot very quickly because it's just you. You don't have to consult, you know, your board yeah. of directors or, or what have you. Um, so I think that it's good for people to know that there's different ways that they can grow their business and they don't have to if they don't want to grow this massive team and build all these millions of businesses that they run um they can just have one business if they want they can have it be really simple and have it provide for their family and make great income great impact and yeah i don't know i think it's good to know that there's other people out there that have done it differently and that are really happy with how they how they've done it you know
0: yeah i, th- I think the key is each individual should determine for themselves what success for them looks like. Yeah, that, That's exactly. my philosophy. And and I'm not saying, it, it, it's been many years since I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's been many years since I uh, read Michael E. Gerber's E-Myth. And so yeah. I'm not certain that those books expressly say, unless you use a method like this, you're just a plebeian on the business scale. Uh, right. But... But if they didn't say it in the books, the people who pushed those books on me, saying this is what you need to read so that you can actually experience this level of success, yeah, I found myself resistance to resistance to that because it just wasn't in alignment with what I wanted to create. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the story of the the businessman and the fisherman down in Mexico. If you heard this story, Mm-mm. so there's a businessman. He's on vacation. And he sees this gentleman, a local, and he, and he rows in on his boat and there's a ton of fish. And he says, hey, what are you doing there? He goes, well, I just went out fishing this morning and I got a great catch. I'm going to go share, you know, we're going to go have lunch. I'm going to share it with friends and family. And uh, this afternoon, we're going to uh, sit back and drink a couple beers and play guitar and, and have a siesta and then hang out this evening with my wife and kids. and It's just going to be a great time goes, but you you caught all of those fish, yeah? How'd you? It's, it's just he says. You know what? You should buy a bigger boat. And, and do that. He goes, why would I do that? Well, if you bought a bigger boat, you could hire other people and teach them how to do this. And he goes, well, why would I do that? He goes, because if you hired a bigger boat and taught them how to do that, then you could actually um, sell your fish and, and then all of a sudden, you could buy even more boats. And, and he goes, why would I do that? So that you could actually hire more people so that you would actually make more money. And then you could actually buy your own food processing plant. Well, why would I want to do that? Because you can increase and maximize your profits and, and all of this stuff. And then he goes, well, why would I want to do that? Because then you would actually be able to move to the States and, and be in this business area and you would never have to work and all these other things. And he goes, why would I do that? And ultimately it goes down to because one day you'd be able to retire so you can wake up in the morning, go out whenever you want, catch a couple of fish and sit back and have some beers with your friends in the afternoon.
1: <laughs> i love that that's
0: so good and here, it's very true and, and, and so it's like you can it's like well why would i do all of those things because this is what success looks like it's like yeah and and so i have actually argued over my lifetime both sides of the story mm-hmm. i've argued that sure it's like it, it's it is crazy to think it's like gosh the guy's living the dream life Yeah, right. And and it's like, why? Why distract yourself from living the life you want and desire now for the next 30 years so that 30 years from now you can live the life that you're living now? Mm -hmm. That's one. And then I argued the other side of it. how selfish this fisherman is. Do you know that if he actually bought a bigger boat, how many people did it take to build that boat? And the people who processed and made the materials to build that boat, do you know how many people's livelihoods were benefited because he chose to purchase the bigger boat? And then the people who were hired, how many people from your local economy now have a job that wouldn't have had a job otherwise? And Mm -hmm. in the fish plant, the The processing plant. Do you know how many people had to come together to construct that building and the materials that were purchased? Do you see how you're contributing? And how your pursuit of this actually benefits so many people? And so I've argued that side of it. And right. at this point, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know where I land except for what do I want?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that there's there's truth in both of those things, and I think that there are people who who do want. To you know, create a business, hire you know, like scale their business where they can hire all these people, and we need people like that, absolutely. But then you also need people who you know can impact through, like for example, what you're saying about you know you don't need to have like a huge um, organization to impact people. You impact people through your podcast because you have you know that flexibility and you're able to, and so you're impacting people in a different way. And so I think yeah, the world needs both. <laughs> and,
0: and that's the cool thing. There's enough people to go around to make everything yes. kind of work out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think, uh, that it's something that I have tried to, I think, think about this year since there's been a lot of change, especially as you know, you know, events that was kind of a big portion of my business. And that has, gone away for now. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, what do I want to do? And how do I wanna, you know, how do I want to grow my business? What do I want to focus on? All these things. And then becoming a mom. And it's it's also realizing that there might be seasons of your life where you're, you know, growing and doing all these new things and launching and hosting events and all these things. And then there's going to be seasons of real life where it's a bit slower and, um, you know, you're focused on different things and, uh, that's okay. And I think my brain has had to, I've had to kind of train my brain to think, okay, just because I'm not doing all of those things that I used to be doing doesn't mean that I'm you know, not a success or not, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing or there's something missing. It just means that I'm I'm in a different season right now. And that's okay. Uh, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's a difficult mindset to shift because a lot of entrepreneurial people are always launching something new, doing something new, uh, you know, uh, wanting to build new things or, um, try new things and get outside of your comfort zone, all those things. And those things are great, but sometimes you're in a season where you kind of need to slow down and that's okay. And it's, (laughs) It's one of the hardest things for for me, anyways. I don't know. I, I I'm saying for most for most entrepreneurs, maybe it's just me. Who knows? But it's been very difficult for me. I think
0: I struggled with that for a very long time when I was starting out. The there was a there was a time in my. Early business journey, so this would have been let's just say late 2009, early 2010. Things are really starting to take off with me, such that I actually have this thing called margin. I don't. It's Mm. it's it's a myth in some people's minds, but (laughs) I had this margin. So I would actually go out for an afternoon walk. It might be let's just say one o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm going to go for a walk until three o'clock in the afternoon for two hours. Now, when I went out on my own, no problem whatsoever, but occasionally I would grab a digital audio recorder and I would record an episode of a podcast that I used to do called Pursuing a Balanced Life. It's kind of just like an audio journal. Hey guys, this is what's going on in my world. This is what I've been dealing with. This is what I'm facing. These are the goals that I have. These are the actions that I'm taking. These are the results that I'm getting. It's just an audio journal. But I I tell you what, I never had a problem when I was recording those episodes while I was out walking if it was like 7 p.m. at night or it was Saturday or it was Sunday, but I had the hardest time and I wasted so many people's time explaining and justifying the fact it is a weekday afternoon. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. It's 67 degrees, blue skies. It feels so amazing out here. Breath of fresh air. This is awesome. By the way, let me explain to you all the reasons why I can justify that it's okay that I'm out here right now. And I would go on for 15 minutes of this podcast episode justifying the fact that I have worked hard for me to be able to be here right now. Right. And I'm like, why did I have to do that? Why can't why can't it just be normal as a business owner to just have the freedom and the flexibility? To always have two hours every weekday mm-hmm. afternoon to yourself, mm-hmm. but yeah. I, but I didn't believe totally. that that should be, and I felt that I would be judged by others by not working hard enough, and therefore, if things ever took a turn, they would be, they would say, "Oh, see, if you wouldn't have taken those afternoon strolls," <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I had it's nothing. So funny. It had it had nothing to do with my audience. These were the things that I was telling yeah. myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I think there can be guilt from our, from ourselves and from other people of either not working hard enough or working too hard. It's like, it's both. I think there's judgment on both sides and uh, yeah, you just kind of, I think if you're okay with where you're at, no matter what anyone else is saying or what anyone else thinks, that's the most important thing, but it, I mean, it's hard, it's easier said than done to get to that place of like, just truly not caring. <laughs> you can say like, I don't care what other people think, but I mean, we're human, right? Like yeah. we, at the back of our mind, we're thinking, oh, we're going to get judged for this. Or what if they think this, or what if they misunderstand me or all of those, all of those things?
0: Well, I will tell you that I actually finally hit that nirvana, that place yeah. of pure bliss of zero F's given is the <laughs> phrase that some people might say. I, I have reached the summit of not caring at all what anyone thinks. I love it. I, occasionally, I'll do something that is so far outside of anything I've ever been taught is acceptable as far as you know, my freedoms in this world. Uh, and 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 I'll and I'll sense a little bit of a trigger inside it's like okay let's let's deal with you where'd you come from It's like yeah. what what voice am I pulling back from my past I, by the way, I've just learned recently I've been studying some books on hypnosis yeah. did you know that our from the age uh, until the age until age seven our brain operates in theta brainwaves, which means that we are actually in a hypnotic state for the first seven years of our life, and we just soak up like a sponge all the beliefs that are presented to us.
1: Wow. That's a lot of pressure as a <laughs> <laughs>
0: So yeah, I'm
1: glad I know that.
0: (laughs) Just so you know that, it's amazing if you think about, if you really think about some of the struggles that you have and some Mm -hmm. of the fears that you have and some of the. All of these things. It's like, man, where where does this come from? And oftentimes, mm-hmm. it'll be a teacher, a religious leader, something our parents yeah. said, something a kid in our school said to us, a peer, yeah. whatever. It's like, man, that. Though, it, and and of course, what happens is once we get out of that stage, that becomes the operating system of our life. We've all, we've been told that we now have this personality. You know, mm-hmm. I'm an mm-hmm. INFT or whatever, or mm-hmm. I'm a DI on the DISC scale, or an M. I'm an enneagram whatever. You're right. not any of those. None of those are who you are. Right. It's just that you've had these experiences that lead, that that you soaked up this amount of experience and belief system mm-hmm. that presents these kind of traits and, mm. and now we're self-diagnosing ourselves with a personality disorder. And not mm. that we call it a disorder. We just call mm. it a personality. This is our personality. Trait. And we get really right. excited. Oh, I took this profile. And this is, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. And I will never change. But I will work within this. <laughs> and that's baloney. And so I hate personality tests.
1: That's really funny you say that because I have never really been into that either. And I think it's, I, I, it's almost like this. I don't want to know because I don't want to assume that that's what my personality is. And it's kind of exactly what you said. Like, I don't want to have this, Oh, I'm this because of this. And that means this. And cause I don't want, why would I want to like, I don't know, uh, judge myself for what I'm doing. And it's like, well, that's not in line with my personality or that's not in line with like what my strengths or weaknesses are. Um, so it's interesting that you say that because I've always, for whatever reason, people are like, oh, what are, you know, what's your personality? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never, t- yeah. <laughs> never really taken any of the tests.
0: So, so I'm definitely not a fan and, and I'm on uh, record for that in ma- many places. But I will tell you, I have taken those tests, and I think that they can be fun. But the way that I approach them, the way that I think about them, is like, okay, so all I'm doing is taking a test that is doing nothing more than showing me what my what the symptoms are, what mm. what is the presenting symptoms of the belief system that's subconsciously operating my life. That's all this is. It's the current programming. So my current programming yields these results in my personality. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the thing is is I love to actually say okay it, you're presenting as a I don't I've never checked Enneagram but let's just say Enneagram. You're presenting as an Enneagram 8 which means that you have these strengths and you have these and actually of course they because the questions you asked me led me to these things, right? Right, right. So anyway, but now it's okay, well yeah, I identify with that. I identify with that. And mm-hmm. and some people just stop with reading the one that is there. But if you actually look at all of the other options it could have told you that you are... I bet you there's a handful of those that you resonate with and a handful of these yeah. weaknesses. Yeah. Just saying, but you obviously are leaning towards this one because it's because the thing is, we all grow up in certain environments that produce certain personality traits. So there is something to be said for that. If you don't change your programming, these are your strengths, these are your weaknesses. I think that's very telling and there's lots of data to support it. But what I like to say is like, hmm, okay, I love these strengths, Mm -hmm. but it comes with these weaknesses. But if you're going to tell me that these weaknesses I need to manage around, I need, you know, Mm. whatever, I need to delegate these, I'm not a person who should try this, 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 because I have these weaknesses, because I am this personality, that all of a sudden limits me as a person, Mm-hmm. And I am not limited. I am not a limited being. <clears throat> I can actually take any one of those weaknesses and say, I want to find people who have those strengths and I want to learn what programming code, what beliefs and feelings cause them to be able to have that personality trait. Right. And, right, and, and, right. and the question is, is, are my beliefs serving me? I don't because yeah. it's, 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 beliefs can change. I can mm-hmm. change my beliefs, and therefore, if I change my beliefs, I can change my feelings. If I change my mm-hmm. beliefs and feelings, I can change any personality trait.
1: Yeah, so true. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, and if we tell ourselves we either are not good at something or we can't do it because of whatever. Um, we'll never try it. And then if we never try, maybe we're missing out on something that that is going to be something that we love in the future too. Right. Because, yeah. um, if we grew up thinking that we were not good at sports or, you know, I'm, I'm not athletic or I'm not this or I'm not that, then why would we ever try new things? Why would we ever, you know, um, so I think that's like an important important message to, to so, get across.
0: So for sure. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're you're right. That's what Henry Ford said. So there's this guy and he had a he had a, a an accident with a a, a a certain tool that he was using at work. But he was really freaking out, so he went to the doctor and he says, "Doctor, do you think I'll be able to play the piano when my fingers heal?" And he says, "Yeah, absolutely." Because that's amazing. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to tell everyone. He's like, why are you so excited? Because I've never played the piano before. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> That's so great. I love that.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> you Feel free to use that.
1: I will. I will. I'm also going to use the uh, fisherman uh, analogy. Oh, well, yeah. Well. Go
0: look up the actual story. Just do the yes, the, bu- the business and the fisherman metaphor. Just Google that and you'll find the real story. It's done more eloquently than I told it. That's awesome. Danielle, it is so awesome to catch up with you. I want to be mindful of your time Hey, thank you
1: so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> it
0: is a lot of fun. One of the other things that I like to do with the community voice is to demonstrate, you know, that, hey, I, I'd like to share with you the kind of conversations and just the relationship that I have with the people who have been clients of mine. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I'd just love to cover here at the end is you are a part of the Next Level Mastermind from July 2018 through mm-hmm. December 2020 which was two over two years yes so 2.3 years so two and a quarter years and what i'd love to ask you and kind of just in a testimonial form is Mm -hmm. if you if there was somebody who were think who was thinking about becoming a member of the next level mastermind and thinking i just don't know if i want to make that level of an investment financially Mm -hmm. what would you say to somebody who was thinking about the next level mastermind
1: Well, I would say that personally, what it did for me was allow me to think about not only my business, but myself and my abilities in a totally different way. And one of the things that I really appreciate about you, Cliff, and then also the other amazing members that I had the privilege of getting to know and getting to be in that group with is that you're challenged, not only in how you're running your life and business, but just in your mindset. Cause I think most of the people potentially listening to this are either running a business or wanting to do something different in their life. And the biggest thing I think that will hold you back is the thoughts that you have kind of like what we talked about before, like the thoughts that you have, the beliefs that you have about yourself. And so if someone else that can get to know you and, you know, knows things about you and that can tell you, hey, this is this is actually possible for you or like, why do you believe that? (laughs) Um, You know, the the amount of times that someone's in the hot seat and it's like, why why would you think that? (laughs) Like, why are you believing that about yourself or your abilities? So I think it just challenges you to think bigger and dream bigger and create a life and a business that is in your definition of success rather than someone else's. Like you create a, an atmosphere, I think, that allows people to decide what they want and how they can get it rather than this is the only way that you're gonna be successful, which I think is unfortunately a lot of other coaches or you know business consultants. It's like, this is the way you need to do it. And if you go outside of this specific way of doing it, you're not going to be successful and you allow for so much more than that and allow people to change their mind, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, I decided that I don't want to do this anymore and I want to do this instead. And I feel like you're the type of person to be like, great. What? Like, let's come up with a plan of how you can do that. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Of Yeah.
0: Let's just say somebody has gone to the sales page They've clicked on the application, they've typed in everything, and they just are hovering over the submit button. What would you say to that person right now?
1: Well, do it because you'll get to at least connect with Cliff, who no matter if you have one conversation or thousands of conversations, he will change your perspective, change your life. So do it. 100% do it.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Danielle, we should catch up again. Sometime in the yes. future. I want to be, like I said, be mindful of your time. So I, I will let you go and get to Rosie. I am so yes. delighted to continue to follow your stories on Instagram. So keep posting them. And I will. I will. I just want to say this. I don't hear from you. And I want you to know anytime if you ever just said, hey, Cliff, what do you think about this? I have a quick question. Voxer me. I'd still love mm-hmm. to connect with you anytime.
1: Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Cliff. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your... Um, I guess, uh, yeah, your help just over the years. And, um, when I was going through one of the hardest things, like during COVID, just having the group there to just even just (laughs) vent to, or just say like, wow, this is difficult. And then bring back on the other side of like changing my mindset around things. Um, it was super game changing for me to have that community when I needed it the most. So thank you very much for that.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, it's so much fun. I this is this. I'm loving this podcast. It is like oh, yeah. Man, I, I'm I, gonna I s- have to
1: listen to the other episodes because I listened to one of them and then my phone was doing something weird. I think it. I have too many videos and photos of Rosie on my phone, so my phone was just crashing. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna have to listen to the op- other episodes because I'd love to, you know, stay in. Connection and see what everyone is up to. And yeah, that.
0: That, you'll you'll recognize a lot of names in this podcast. Yeah. Starting with episode thirty-two, moving forward, there'll be some PM it. group in there as well. Yeah. But my goal is to get eventually to work with everybody who is in the next level mastermind for one year or more, and is who it. I'm going for first. And so, there, yeah, there'll be lots of people you recognize.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Thanks, awesome. Cliff.
0: Hey, and just just so you know, just as an idea, just think about this: you could actually have a podcast that is, you're not promoting it, you're not Mm -hmm. marketing it, it's just conversations with clients.
1: I love it, So I think that's a great idea.
0: And imagine you just wait until the very end and you ask what I asked you, it's like hey, if somebody were thinking, and then think about the testimonials that you then Mm -hmm. have in audio.
1: Totally. And if it's totally. on Zoom,
0: you would have them in video as well. But still, yeah. I, I, the audio is what I would plan to use. And of course, those mm. can be transcribed for written testimonials. It's powerful.
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I love this idea. I think it's really, it's fun. And it's I super
0: got, fun. and what I love about <laughs> this is I refuse in the conversations to go down the typical stuff that I would normally talk to you about as a coaching right. client. And right. so I got to know a whole lot more about your background yeah. and story. And there's so much more to explore. So. At some it. point we'll, we'll ke- connect again on another episode.
1: Totally. I love it. Thanks right. Cliff. Thanks for having me on. Have a great, have a great rest of your day.
0: You too. Reach out we'll anytime.
1: Okay. we Will do.
0: Well, there you go, my friends. That's another episode of the community voice with Danielle Weeb. Oh my goodness. I love Danielle. Such an amazing soul and have just enjoyed watching her journey now if you want there'll be some links in the show notes if you want to check out some of her business some links to her about page and stuff like that so just check out the show notes for this episode and of course if you are looking for one-on-one coaching, or you're looking for a mastermind group environment where you can experience the things like Danielle was speaking about, feel free to head over to cliffravenscraft.com. Click the work with me tab. And of course, if you haven't done so already, make sure that when you're over at cliffravenscraft.com, click on the podcasts tab, and you'll see a list of shows that I produce. And there are quite a few. So anyway, until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do Two, the next level. Mindset, answer man.